Welcome to the Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the Terry Fontenot Studios to talk to you about Atlanta Falcons free agency. If you're new to the show, you can subscribe on any major podcasting platform. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. And we have just added a YouTube channel, Title Run Sports. We've already uploaded a few short videos on the last few weeks of activity with the Atlanta Hawks, as well as a free agency primer that is attached to this. So just as at the stage for the 2021 offseason, the NFL salary cap has officially come in at $182.5 million, which is right around where it was projected to be. And the Falcons are somewhere in the vicinity of about $14 million over the cap. And that's according to the website overthecap.com and spotrec.com as well. Those are two great websites for laymen like myself to get that kind of information. They've already made some moves to clear up cap space by restructuring Jake Matthews, which saved him, I think, somewhere around $8 million. They cut James Carpenter, Allen Bailey, and Ricardo Allen. And there are probably more cuts on the way. So the Falcons have that money freed up, and they can get an extra $12 million by restructuring Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett. And restructuring means converting some of their base salary into bonus, pushing it later on into their contracts, and it puts their cap number for this season at a much, much lower number. Like I said, it totals over $12 million in savings, but it makes them harder to get rid of in the future. It essentially locks you into the last few years of those contracts because the dead cap numbers become really, really high. But as we talked about in the last podcast about the Falcons' draft choices or draft options, those numbers don't really upset you with two players like Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones because there are very few scenarios you can see in which they would not be on your roster in a couple of years. So that's the start. The Falcons can also get another $2.2 million from cutting Tyler Davidson, who is a good rotational player for them, and another $2.18 million from cutting Isaiah Oliver. And this would be risky, but if you cut Dante Fowler, you could save up to $7.8 million if you designate him as a June 1st cut. Now, the thing with that is you don't necessarily have that cap space available for the starter free agency, but he is going to also offer a huge dead cap hit the next year, and you'd essentially end up paying him somewhere around $15 million to not play for your team, which is a lot. There's also some smaller cuts you can make. Uh, Key Smith, if somebody like Matt Gano or even Sterling Hoffrichter if you wanted to cut them. But again, those are all saved in the $1 million range, and those are all guys that are contributors. Even Matt Gano, he's essentially your swing tackle. So there are places to trim money, but the Falcons don't have a lot of options to get big instant savings. They don't have that $10 to $12 million contract that they can just dump and get the money back. So the only other way for them to generate substantial cap space is to restructure Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Restructuring Matt Ryan could save you $15.3 million in this year's cap and $10.2 million if you restructure Julio Jones. But as we said, that also locks you into another two, maybe even three years of both of them with almost no ability to cut them in the next couple of years because of the amount of dead cap money you would take on. You'd essentially be paying Matt Ryan over $20 million to not play for your team, which just seems absolutely untenable. So 
The Falcons could potentially, if they made all these moves, get up to $46 million in cap space, which is crazy. But again, the downside of that is that you have zero cap flexibility for the upcoming seasons. So you'd have to really nail it with the draft and hope that the players you're structuring don't enter an early decline. So when it comes to the draft, the Falcons have nine draft picks now because they received three compensatory picks. I believe it was two-fifths and a sixth for the free agents that they lost. And they probably need somewhere around $5 million to sign their draft class. So the Falcons have a good bit of work to do to get to the point where they can probably field a competitive roster. Now, if that sounds bleak, it's worth noting that probably half the NFL is in the same boat. Quality vets are getting chopped left and right for teams to be able to save money with the deflated cap. And a lot of these vets are going to be forced to take short-term deals that are probably a good bit below market value just because they need to get paid for this year. And then when the cap goes back up to whatever it is, $200 million next year or a number that is much closer to normal, they can get paid. So assuming the Falcons somehow manage to get far enough under the cap to add some free agents, there's going to be plenty of like starting quality free agents to pick from. Now, that said, the Falcons will be shopping in probably the bargain bin of free agency, or like I like to call it the Walmart $5 DVD bin, where every now and then you find something really good, but a lot of what you're sorting through is just junk. So even in a year where good vets are readily available on the cheap, the Falcons, they have their work cut out for them. The plan would likely be, and probably should be, to target starting level players on short-term deals with salaries in the two to five or six million dollar range at max. And the players you find in that bin generally tend to be either old, injured, or both. And in some cases, they're just very average players, which is why they cost what they cost. And it's important to remember that as you begin this exercise, you're not looking for superstars. You're just trying to find players that are better than what you currently have or better than what you had last year. So if you get 10% better at two or three positions, even if those players aren't superstars, overall, you're improving your team. So again, it's, okay, can I find a corner that's better than Isaiah Oliver? Can I find a safety that's better than Ricardo Allen? Even if those guys aren't all pro, if I find enough of those kind of pieces, overall, my team's going to be better. Anyways, you get the point. So I've kind of looked at the biggest areas that the Falcons need to target, which I put down as interior offensive line. They probably need at least one starter there. Edge rusher or interior defensive line, either one, because it's still kind of unclear how we're going to align in this 3-4. Cornerback, clearly. Definitely safety because the Falcons currently have one safety on the roster. <laughs> and the Falcons are going to be looking for at least one starter at safety, maybe two, at least one starter at outside corner, and, like again, at least one starter on the interior O-line. That's a lot to ask for on a salary cap budget that is maybe going to be as low as 7 to $10 million. Could potentially be more. But, again, if you make some of the cuts we talked about, cutting guys like Isaiah Oliver, cutting guys like Dante Fowler, well, those are more starters that you now have to go get. So, again, the Falcons only have, I think it's 39 to 40-ish players under contract meaning that they have to go sign 12 or 13 players just to be able to fill their game day roster. So, again, it's not impossible, but there is a lot of work to be done. So let's start with one of the areas that has really troubled the Falcons for the last several years, and that's the defensive line. So I grouped these options into two categories, the bargain bin, which is players that you could get for less than $4 million, 
and the mid-tier bin, which are linemen, defense linemen that you could get in the five to six million dollar range. And this was by far the hardest group because very simply, productive defensive linemen don't become unrestricted free agents. And the ones that do are either old, injured, or both. <laughs> and in some cases, they're just aging and losing production, but not necessarily bad. So the first two on my list for the bargain bin are Ryan Kerrigan, who is a defensive end outside linebacker for Washington. He's been Washington Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team forever. And he's one of those guys that's old and declining, but he's still productive. So he's had five and a half sacks the last two years. And he's somebody that you could get for less than $4 million, according to the projections that are from over the cap, which is what I used for this uh, sheet that we're going to use. It's also interesting to look at their pro football focus grades. I don't take pro football focus as gospel, but it gives you a really good starting place. And generally, I won't look at anybody from pro football focus that's less than a 60%, which is kind of like baseline for an average starter. And I also pay close attention to the snap percentages from, from over the cap. If you look at a guy and you see that he's playing 30 to 40% of his team snaps, anything that's significantly less than 50, that tells you that either he's hurt or he's a role player. So with Ryan Kerrigan, he's a guy that's playing less than 50% of the team snaps, which is why he is cheap, but he was still productive. So, you know, he's playing 36 to 40% of the team snaps, but still getting five and a half sacks, which would have led the Falcons last year. So <laughs> he's a great option in the bargain basement bin. Um, another option there is Jordan Jenkins, who is a 3-4 outside linebacker for the New York Jets. He's a vet. He's pretty average, but he's giving you 12 sacks in the last two years combined. He fits our scheme, and he would just be another solid addition that wouldn't cost a whole lot of money. In the mid-level tier for the edge and defensive line, and that's the five, the $6 million bin. So in that bin, you can make an upgrade and go at someone like a Justin Houston from Indianapolis who is old but still really productive and has averaged at least eight sacks for the last three years. And if you put Justin Houston on your team, who's diverse as a 3-4 outside linebacker or a 4-3 defensive end, he's going to get pressure. He always rushes the passer when healthy. But due to his age, he's getting less snaps, and he's essentially become a pure pass rush specialist. I think he averages about 38% of the snaps for the Indianapolis Colts this past year, but he was very effective in that role. And then another edge player for the Indianapolis Colts in Danico Autry, who's a vet. He's an average player. You're going to get maybe five sacks out of him. But, again, that would be better than what you had on the Falcons last year. <laughs> so moving back to the secondary, which is a place where you are almost certainly going to try to find a starting quality player. In the bargain bin, you have a few more options. So this one's going to sound crazy, but Desmond Trufant, who was cut by the Detroit Lions, is coming off an injury-plagued season. He was actually pretty decent in 2019 before he got hurt. You can get him, according to over the cap, for somewhere around the league vet minimum. And if he's your CB2 and he plays at even 80% of what he was before he left Atlanta when he was healthy, that's a steal. And he'd be welcomed back into the brotherhood. I know we're not the brotherhood anymore, but into the Rise Up family, especially if he could produce at any sort of level. Uh, Mike Hilton, who's a young vet, who's an average corner, but he would be a solid starter for us. Um, he's from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Richard Sherman, again, old, injured, probably not in his prime, but he's a guy that you could get on a cheap deal coming off an injury and a down year, although I think there's a high probability he ends up in Dallas with his old coach, Dan Quinn. Moving up a level to the next tier, guys that are vets but are a little bit older, maybe a little bit better. 
Bashad Breland from Kansas City. Vet, pretty good, not great, better than what you have. Malcolm Butler, same thing. Aging, probably starting to go into decline, but still pretty good. Brian Poole from the New York Jets, who is actually in a very, very above average slot corner. He might be a little out of your price range. He could get more into like the 6 or $7 million range, which is a lot for a guy that's going to play in the slot. Desmond King from Tennessee, who would be familiar with Dean Pease, as with Malcolm Butler. Vet, solid averages, production. Again, probably better than what you have. Good one-year stopgap. And another one of those is Shaquille Griffin from Seattle. Young vet, average-ish corner would be good because he could potentially re-sign with a long-term deal next year and be a solid CB2 for a few years. And again, these are all guys that you're th- – that are projected to be in the five to six million dollar range, and any of them would be better than what the Falcons are likely to try it out this year with Isaiah Oliver as your CB two, where he has been up and down to say the least. Moving on to the interior of the offensive line, the most obvious option for the Falcons is to bring back Alex Mack at a cheaper number. Alex Mack is probably in the four to six million dollar category um, and you could bring him back to get just another solid starting year of center play before you go try to go full-time with Matt Hennessy at center or you bring in a really big-time center and slide Hennessy over to guard permanently. Mac is in decline but still an above average starting center. Another option that's a little bit younger and a little bit cheaper is New England center David Andrews. He's not great but he's a solid to better than solid starter and he's only 29. Austin Blythe from the LA Rams, young vet. Again, in the David Andrews category of solid, maybe slightly better than solid. And then you get the guards like Mike Iapati from Seattle. He's old, he's cheap, he's below average, but he's probably better than James Carpenter. And then Denzel Good from the Las Vegas Raiders, who's a young vet. He's cheap, not great, maybe is better than Matt Hennessy, and he's affordable, he's in your price range. And that's a sense of the options. Like, if you thought the Falcons were going to have a shot at Ryan Lipsy, I'm sorry, but that's just not realistic. It's not in the cards. So those are some of the options that the Falcons have for interior offensive linemen. At safety, there are some encouraging possible choices. So in the bargain bin there, you'd have options like Kenny Vaccaro. He's a vet, played in the system with Dean Pease in Tennessee. He's pretty average. Not sure he's much better than Ricardo Allen. I think he might be a slightly better tackler. I don't think he's better than Keanu Neal. But he is going to be in that affordable price range as he's been cut by the Titans. Malik Hooker, who's a young, underperforming former first-round pick. When he's played, which hasn't been a lot in Indianapolis, he's been okay. But he's injured. And so he would be a cheap guy that you could get on a prove-it contract. And if he overperforms, you're getting a first-round talent that's in his mid-20s that could actually possibly be a long-term answer. And then, of course, Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal is still in his mid-20s. You could bring him back at a 3 to $4 million clip. And if he plays at the level he played last year, which was an above-average starter, you're pretty set at least at one safety position while you look for your next safety potentially in the draft. Now, moving up a step, you have some mid-tier options, and there aren't a lot of them because, because an above-average safety NFL is probably floating around the $7 million range, whereas a good safety is $10 million and up, and an elite safety is probably in the $12 to $14 million range. 
So a couple of really solid options. These are guys that are young vets in their mid-20s that could be actually guys that get a multi-year deal. Jalen Mills from Washington, who had a good season. He's an above-average starter. He'd be an upgrade on what the Falcons had last year. And again, he's a guy that you could sign to maybe a couple-year deal or maybe even a three-year deal, and it would be worth it because he's going to probably be in that deal through his prime. And then Rayshon Jenkins from the L.A. Charters, a young vet who's not a not as good as Jalen Mills, but is a good above-average starter. So again, it's possible. Now, depending on the amount of cap space the Falcons generate, you can piece together a bunch of different combinations of players to get what you need. For example, you can go in the bargain bin for defensive lineman, get a Ryan Kerrigan for, let's say, $3.5 million, jump over to the cornerback bin, pull Desmond Trufant off the scrap heap for $1.5 million, re-sign Alex Mack for $4 million, re-sign Keanu Neal for $4 million, and then you shored up several big, big holes in your team for $17 to $18 million. Now, I don't know if the Falcons will get to the point where they have that much cap space, and, you know, another option, you could go with getting one or two really, really solid vets and then patching it over with vet minimum guys in other places. So, so you could go get a Bashad Breeland for $6 million and then also go get a Justin Houston for $6 million and then try to patch it up with vet minimum guys and draft picks in the other spots, but be really solid in the two spots where you upgraded. So you have, you have a lot of options. You could go try to sign an injured Richard Sherman to see if you can get anything out of him for another year and then grab a David Andrews and maybe go high risk, high reward with Malik Hooker for a league minimum contract. So there are options. The biggest thing is that no matter what the Falcons choose to do, you're banking on these guys that have been hurt, injured, or underperforming to not hit rock bottom with you. Because if you go sign Desmond Trufant to be your CB2 and he tweaks a hamstring and misses seven games, you're screwed. If Justin Houston decides to get old on you after signing for $6 million and you get a Dante Fowler Jr. season from him, you're toast. And so this really goes back to what whether the Falcons want to try to win now or build for the future. If you want to try to win now, restructure all the deals, try to squeeze all the juice out of the last couple of years of Matt and Julio's prime, Kick the can down the road for the salary cap and say, hey, we're going to get as much cap space as possible, load up with a lot of solid veteran pieces, and try to push this thing forward in 2021. Or you can be fiscally responsible, build through the draft, which is going to be hard to do this year because you have so many holes to patch up. Know that you're going to feel at a competitive roster, but one that's probably not going to be anywhere close to championship contention. And then try to reset in 2022 with Matt and Julio near the end of their primes, but with a lot more salary cap flexibility and a lot more options for what you can add in free agency. Which route would you prefer the Falcons to take? Personally, I'd like to see the Falcons try to field a competitive roster this year. You have nine draft picks, so get the best possible free agents with the safest and most reasonable possible contracts and then fill in all your gaps of the draft. For example, missing on Desmond Trufant with a league minimum contract isn't as bad as missing on Malcolm Butler on a five to six million dollar contract because he gets old on you in the middle of the season. Missing on Ryan Kerrigan at three million dollars isn't the same as missing on Dante Fowler for fifteen million dollars. So I would like for them to take flyers in some of these possibly productive but 
not too expensive vets, stock up on those, and then see if you can augment the roster through the draft. I don't want to go totally on the cheap, but I'm not willing to restructure, be fiscally responsible, and risk absolutely destroying any chances of future success for the hopes that a roster that doesn't look like it's championship quality can maybe somehow miraculously overachieve and compete. Again, let us know your thoughts on what you'd like to see the Falcons do with free agency. This is Dave Bethay with the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.